This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, you've got me all pumped up, ladies and gentlemen. I am pumped up for today's show. As you know, yesterday we finished up the military.com left of boom podcast on the cyber soldier 2050 document featuring doctors Peter Emanuel and Diane Duilius. So we finished that up for you. And what we showed you was that back in 2019, when that paper cyborg soldier 2050 was written, okay, and then that podcast took place shortly thereafter, that the government was all ready to start propagandizing folks, ready to run their normalization, their desensitization campaign to make transhumanism, make the concept of a cyborg human be acceptable to the civilian population here in the United States and, as they talked about around the world, with our global partners, our allies. And so now, as we are starting to see certain people in the sort of MAGA influencer space and others are now talking about transhumanism, but I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I've started to try to listen to some of that stuff. I don't think they're going as deep as we are here. And this show is episode, what, 54? So we're 54 episodes deep into trying to untangle this concept of technocratic transhumanism, which I will eventually get into sort of my theory on the fusion of technocracy and transhumanism. And I have hundreds more episodes to go. I ramped this thing up. I'm going seven days a week, two hours a day, plus the 15 minute a day nugget, which is the Uh, sort of trailer to the full episodes that drop at midnight now. And then I'm working on a morning show to keep track of all of the technocratic and transhumanist news coming out that I can't fit into this show because I am kind of looking at this now as like, as you guys have said to me, many of you, that this is like a master class. It's like a college course on technocracy and transhumanism. So I kind of want to keep it going in that direction along with some of my personal advice on how to live one foot in and one foot out of the matrix as uh, my wife and I move down that path uh, further and further with how we, we can pull out more from the matrix. And so I've shared a lot of that stuff with you and I will continue to.
and I will continue to seek out guests that are, um, you know, like I have the midwives that we use for my wife's birth. I've got our doula. I have a woman we met who's been helping us with homeopathy, and I'm going to eventually work them into the show when the time is right, when it's appropriate. But as you know now, uh, I wanted to move on to the second part of the Cyber Soldier podcast on military.com featuring the two gentlemen who are involved with the supposed ethics uh, on behalf of the army on behalf of the department of defense and that's dr edward t barrett and dr tony faff and we are going to get to that but as you know i took a little break because some of you have been poking me and prodding me and begging me to get into operation paperclip and um Coming out of that is MK Ultra. So we spent, uh, I think, all of episode 52 just doing a 40,000 foot view of Paperclip and MK Ultra. And then yesterday, I spent the first half of episode 43 talking about MK Ultra. And so last night, I started to dig through my old research and I decided for today. Thank you to all of you who sent my ADD into uh, into ultra spin mode. <laughs> so now, what I need to do is I need to tie together some pieces of MK Ultra for you, because as I explained yesterday, we saw Paperclip being launched in 1947. Uh, then a few years later, we saw Dr. Sidney Gottlieb over at the CIA being given carte blanche to basically do whatever he wanted to do as far as mind control went. And we were able to show you that he, in fact, set up fake foundations to spread this LSD that he purchased with government money, bought the whole entire supply of LSD, psychedelics, uh, acid and brought it into the United States, spread it around. I will show some stuff later on the uh, Tavistock Institute and such and what the government did as far as um, creating this counterculture in which they kind of pretend that the LSD sort of, you know, sort of uh, worked in reverse of what they wanted. It backfired, but that's not the case. And so... Then we showed that DARPA launched a few years after MKUltra did, and then coming out of DARPA in 1970 before MKUltra ended in 1973, supposedly, they launched uh, all of these investments into brain-machine interfaces and such, and then that eventually grows into the brain initiative, of which I've re reviewed here uh, yeah, just skim the surface, but we're going to get back to that. Don't worry. And so now what I want to show you is that there are some major, major connections between what they were doing with MKUltra. And now I found some information for you to show you that MKUltra was, in fact, 100% um, grown right out of paperclip, out of what the Nazis and the Japanese were doing. So... We'll be able to show you that today, and we'll be able to delve a little deeper into MKUltra mind control and LSD, and then I want to show you 
what has happened, what has transpired since, and what is going on right now as we speak. All right. And so my theory here, my thesis really, is that MKUltra never ended. The mind control experience, um, experiments never ended. And so when we look at Paperclip, when we look at MKUltra, and then we look at the Cyborg Soldier Program, when we look at the DARPA Brain Initiative Program, which um, Cyborg Soldier really comes from, it's all one thing. It's just a continuation. And so it never actually ended. So you have to ask yourself these questions. What are the goals here? What is the government uh, via the military trying to accomplish? Uh, we know that in the beginning, at least we're supposed to believe, that Dr. Sidney Godlieb, trained by the Nazis and the Japanese torturers, was supposedly trying to break the mind, erase the mind, and replace it with a new mind. And we see all of that stuff echoed by Dr. Charles Morgan III in his presentation in 2018 to the West Point Military Academy cadets and faculty. And I hate to keep like having to bring this stuff back up. I don't want to sound like Sean Hannity, but for those people who haven't listened to the past episodes, I try to bring everything back in from all of the different episodes we did because each one is basically its own investigative piece. And right now, I don't write articles on these things. I just do the podcast. So the reason why we're connecting it all back together is it's one big story. You know, the history of technocracy and transhumanism, of which we covered a little, but we're going to get more into that as well. But the history leading up to where we are today in this moment helps us figure out the trajectory, where they're going with this into the future. Okay, and the World Economic Forum, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the Great Reset, Yuval Noah Harari, Klaus Schwab, all ties into Dr. Charles Morgan III, Dr. Peter Emanuel, Dr. Diane Dulius, Dr. James Giordano, who we will get into soon. It all ties together. MKUltra, Operation Paperclip, you know, LSD, uh, all of the brain initiative programs. All of this stuff ties together. Cyborg, Soldier, 2050, uh, Lars Butler, Artificial Intelligence Foundation, Mind Twinning, Digital Twins, Deepfake Videos, all of it ties in together. Elon Musk, Neuralink Brain Chip, Optimus Robot, Tesla, Solar Panels, you know, uh, uh, Starlink Satellites. You know, all of this stuff comes together. Peter Thiel running around with all of his companies, Palantir, Clearview AI, all of it ties back together. It's not some organic thing that's just occurring, folks. This is a strategic plan. And it combines, you know, social engineering with actual engineering of society itself. Uh, degrading of humans, uh, as we see possibly injuring people on purpose, whether in war or whether in the hospitals or with the drugs we're giving people with vaccines. It all ties in because then they have these human guinea pigs they can run these experiments on. 
And so when we talk about the mind uploading and the nanobot Iron Man suits and everything else, you're seeing now that it's not just the supposed private sector PR salesmen like Elon Musk or Ray Kurzweil or uh, Peter Thiel. It ties back into the government, to the Department of Defense, to DARPA, uh, to the CIA. Uh, and the CIA spreading its money far and wide through InQtel, its venture firm. You see, it all ties in. It's all one thing. It is the state. And as I constantly present to you, I believe the ultimate goal is to actually engineer humanity out of existence. Now, I believe, as I'm starting to look at this stuff, that we are in this bridge period, which... If you want to label it something that's already out there, it would be called the fourth industrial revolution, all right, which is the bringing together of the biological, physical, and digital worlds. And this is where the metaverse comes into play, the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies and such, which we've covered here. So we are in this fourth industrial revolution or this fourth Reich, maybe. And so where does it go from there? I believe as we get through the fourth industrial revolution that the fourth industrial era will uh, have some humans. I think it's going to look different than what it does today. But I think the eventual goal down the line, maybe the fifth industrial revolution into the fifth industrial era becomes sort of the complete annihilation of humanity. But this is definitely a point in which we're reaching this bridge. And I think a lot of this comes from dehumanization. And so when we look at the sort of, you know, transgender movement, when we look at all the gender bending going on, when we look at erasing of you know, the, the penis and the vagina, and it's a blend, and you could be anything you want, and, um, you know, all that has to do with dehumanization. And so once you believe you're not even like a human, or there's no definition, and you could be anything you want, and you're just sort of, uh, you know, a piece of Play-Doh, then these transhumanists could sweep in and convince people to do these, um, you know, total physical transformations of their body you start right now by let's say removing genitals or removing breasts or sewing on breasts that eventually it's not a big deal to put a brain chip in your head or put on bionic arms or have your legs removed and you know build your body into some sort of exoskeleton iron man suit i mean anything is possible once you don't actually accept the real science and the funny part is is that the technocracy in its roots comes from the idea that the scientists and the engineers are going to control the means of production and distribution and manufacturing and everything else you know all because they are the masters of being able to engineer a society they can control it without politicians without any form of government that they will be able to create sort of the perfect society run by science and engineering but they have completely taken real science out of the equation they throw fake science at people to confuse them in order to walk them into the cattle car and the end goal is going to be to 
engineer humans out of existence because they do not believe we are efficient they don't believe we're streamlined as i told you the scientists will just continue to do research the engineers are always looking for a problem and if you're always looking for a problem you will always find a problem and then they always want to fix a problem so when we jump in to this stuff when we get back from the break folks i'm going to go a little deeper into mk ultra and then I'm going to show you what is actually going on right now and how MK Ultra never actually ended, folks. I mean, it's so right in our face at this point. They're not even hiding it anymore. And how people are not concerned about this is beyond me. But hopefully, we'll be able to take this information and share it with our friends and family. And thank you to everybody who's leaving a five-star review and comment at Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. The numbers are amazing right now. The show is growing every day. So thank you very much for becoming part of this family over here. And for all of you that have joined us at pain.tv slash gold, we appreciate that very much. Folks, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. We will be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold, folks. All right, I'm going to start off here. We've got to work fairly quickly because I do want to try to pack all of this into one show for you. So we're going to go back to where we were yesterday. This is the NPR.org article. Uh, and the title of this is The CIA's Secret Quest for Mind Control, Torture, LSD, and a Poisoner-in-Chief. And just uh, to catch you up here, folks, MKUltra, which operated from the 1950s until the early 60s. Now, we found through other research that it actually supposedly ended in 1973. So we don't go with the early 60s stuff. Okay, they claim it ended in... 73 all right so that's the number we're going to go with 1973 uh was created and run by a chemist named cindy gottlieb if you miss yesterday's show you should listen to it because gave you a little background on sydney uh journalist stephen kinzer who spent several years investigating the program calls the operation quote the most sustained search in history for techniques of mind control end quote and i oppose the argument that it never actually ended so the operation may be the most sustained search in history for techniques of mind control but i don't believe it ended in the early 60s or in 1973 i believe it is still going on to this day in fact i believe they have already uh found the secrets to mind control and they're actually utilizing this and i'm not going to get into mass mind control on this show just in case you think that's where i'm going i'm not i don't want to get into you know the flicker rates on smartphones and you know entertainment and everything else but trust me propaganda is all part of mind control i'm well aware of that it's just not where i'm going to go with this during this show so we are going to listen to 
at least in part, I haven't decided yet, well, we'll decide this on the fly. We're going to listen to part of this interview with uh, NPR and journalist Stephen Kinzer, because I want to give you a little deeper understanding of MK Ultra. And to be honest with you, um, I mentioned Annie Jacobson, who was on Joe Rogan's show, who wrote the book on Operation Paperclip. She's put out there as the foremost ep- expert on paperclip. Um, Kinzer sort of put out there as the foremost expert on MK Ultra. I won't get into this here, but I will just say that some of these people I don't necessarily fully trust. All right. I believe that in some cases they're putting out about 95% of the information, but then they're leaving out the rest. For instance, for instance, look at what we've already done here uh, in my style, in the way I present content. We've already connected at least loosely, but we've connected Paperclip to MKUltra to what's going on today with Cyborg Soldier, Brain Initiative and such. And these folks don't really do that. They kind of say, well, Sidney Gottlieb was a bad guy and it all ended in the early 60s or in 1973. What a blemish, what a stain on the U.S. But they never say, well, wait a second, we're still running mind control experiments out of DARPA, the government, the military, through the Brain Initiative and other programs. We still have people like Dr. Charles Morgan III, Dr. Peter Emanuel, Dr. James Giordano, Dr. Diane Dulius, out there on podcasts talking about how we are doing this. They are the current Sidney Gottliebs, in my opinion. All right? So let's play this podcast, and we'll analyze this before we move forward into the next part. And um, just so you know, folks, I'm not going into depth on the paperclip. Uh, That's still going to be a few-part series, but this is so that we can then jump back into um, Cyborg Soldier again. I just want to lay out some stuff that I think is important right now, because then when we listen to the ethics guys with the Cyborg Soldier, you're going to see... All this stuff is alive and well. So I figured let's go back in history and look a little deeper, and then we can attach that to what's going on today and then be able to predict where we're going to end up in the future. All right, here we go. This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. You may have heard stories about the CIA's secret experiments with LSD, through which 60s counterculture luminaries like Ken Kesey and Allen Ginsberg were first introduced to the drug. There's a lot more to the CIA's experiments with LSD, and some of it is pretty horrifying. My guest, journalist Stephen Kinzer, has spent several years investigating the CIA's mind control program, which was known as MKUltra. LSD was just one of the mind-altering drugs that were tested in the program to see if and how they could be weaponized to control human behavior. Okay, so you know that now. I don't really have to break that down and explain it to you, but I just want to say that this interview took place in 2019, all right? So put that into context with what else was going on in 2019, all right? In 2019, we had just heard from Dr. Charles Morgan III, who spoke um, 
at West Point on his lecture on all of these mind-bending technologies going on inside academia, inside the government. It's all one and the same, folks. There's no separation between the two. And his job is to look at this technology and figure out how the intelligence apparatus could utilize it to their advantage, right? At the same time, you have the cyborg soldier document coming out in 2019, unclassified, which was commissioned by the Army and the DOD. And then you have some of the um, doctors who helped co-author that, Peter Emanuel and Diane Deulius, James Giordano, who, who we will get into, going out and doing public podcasts. So all at the same time, all this information is coming out at the same time. And you would have to say why. But that's why at the end of the podcast we reviewed yesterday, I called it out and said, you're starting to see the normalization and desensitization to this type of stuff, to transhumanism. I mean, when Peter Emanuel and Diane Dulius are telling you that the government is making decisions about having to normalize this stuff, make people familiar to it in order for them to accept it or at least go, eh, whatever, it's normal now, right? Part of them releasing the document, Cyber Soldier 2050, and unclassifying it, part of them going out in podcasts is the propaganda campaign that is all part of it so whether you or i agree with it they don't care they just want us to be aware of it and i told you my personal belief is that they need to be able to break these scientists and engineers that might have some morals and values might still have a soul into getting on board with developing this for them this is the bridge they still need humans to develop the final solution for humans so they have to convince them that merging man with machine isn't that bad it's actually good for humanity right this is all part of rewriting history and i just showed you a big example with operation paperclip where our government admits to rewriting the history of the nazis that we brought back here to the united states and put in charge of government agencies and programs they rewrote their biographies in some cases gave them actual completely fake identities so that they could hide them here in the united states and no one knew that they were part of the Nazi regime, right? See, so we're always rewriting history. It's always this propaganda. All right, let's continue. Many of the unwitting subjects of these experiments are subjected to what amounts to psychological torture. The MK Ultra program was created by Sidney Gottlieb in 1953. He ran it until it was shut down in the early 60s. Gottlieb was also the CIA's chief chemist, creating poisons and innovative ways of surreptitiously administering them. He also became head of the CIA. I don't know. You think he's the guy that uh, invented the concept of COVID land, the high school theater production, maybe? And, uh, you know, these ways to lure people to the doctor or clinic to get uh, a jab. I don't know. I mean, our government admits, again, this is the official narrative, the narrative they want you to believe. And they're admitting they did this. This comes out in September 2019. Okay. A few months later, COVID land, the high school theater production kicks off. You see, folks, 
it's it's like a repeat of history so his job was to figure out ways to inject people with drugs uh without getting their approval beforehand without any true informed consent all right let's continue program that creates high-tech gadgets for spies to use stephen kinzer's new book is called poisoner in chief Sidney gottlieb and the cia search for mind control one of Kinzer's previous books was about the Dulles brothers, Alan and John Foster Dulles. Alan Dulles was the CIA director during most of the years MK Ultra was in operation. Stephen Kinzer, welcome back to Fresh Air. Okay, so you're going to see that come up a few times, and eventually we'll get into Alan Dulles, okay, who the Dulles Airport was named after, but we'll eventually get into Alan Dulles. But right now, he's just a player in this big scheme of things even even uh, Sidney Gottlieb is but the reason why we have to show this stuff is because it shows you where the current programs came from this is nothing new you know i don't want people to think this is just kooky elon musk or you know vulture capitalist peter thiel or just some goofball inside the government. The government has been doing this the whole time. This is the state, and the state is acting in cooperation with the larger state, which is this new world order global government. Not that the World Economic Forum runs everything. Yes, behind all this, there's black nobility and Illuminati and Rockefellers and Rothschilds and all that, which there's plenty of content out there about that stuff. And I will get into it eventually, but there's just so much of this technocracy and this transhumanist movement right here, right now that we need to talk about. So, I'm showing you this so that we connect it into what's going on in the future. And I can show you that these programs, that everyone from right to left that follows this type of news uh, admits, you know, this stuff's published in NPR. People admit it's barbaric, but yet these journalists don't connect it to what we're doing today. They're not showing you that it's still going on today. So if everyone could admit that MK Ultra was barbaric, that paperclip was wrong, then it should be an easier conversation to say, well, what is the difference between MK Ultra and DARPA's Brain Initiative? Well, what's DARPA's Brain Initiative? Well, I listen to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am a member of pain.tv slash gold. Therefore, I am armed with the information I need to explain that to friends and family that our government did horrible things but they didn't stop doing them in fact they got worse ladies and gentlemen think about that when we get back we're going to finish this piece up and then i'm going to show you how it connects into what we're doing right now ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, 
ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, we're going to jump right back into this. Remember, we are listening to journalist Stephen Kinzer talking about MKUltra. Let's continue. Let's start with what was the mission of MKUltra? During the early period of the Cold War in the late 40s and early 1950s, the CIA became paralyzed with a fear that communists had perfected some kind of a drug or a potion or a technique that would allow them to control human minds. This was actually a greatly exaggerated fear, but it played on something cultural that affected everybody that grew up in the early 20th century. We were fed a lot of books and movies about the idea of mind control, that you could hypnotize someone or give someone a drug that would make them do something that otherwise they would never do. And seized by this myth, the CIA not only believed that communists had approached or reached this holy grail. Okay, let's pause there for a second. So, again, like I said, I do not, based on my research and based on my beliefs and based on what I know about our government, believe, believe that our government and the CIA in particular was uh, fooled by movies and such of which we had a part in actually creating. Uh, That was the propaganda spread around the country to brainwash, to mind control people into believing that our enemies had this magic juice to be able to mind control people. And therefore, just like with the cyborg soldier program we're looking at, the government ran this propaganda campaign to get people on the on board with this idea so that the government then had an excuse sort of a reason to go and develop this themselves so you're supposed to believe at the highest levels of the cia that these guys who control the world really had uh fallen trapped to some movie or some sci-fi book that the russians the soviets um, the commies had this mind control juice. And so that is the story that Stephen Kinzer helps uh, push. And one of the reasons why I'm going into this and analyzing this podcast is I made a decision that I'm not going to pursue Stephen Kinzer, although he is put out there as the foremost expert on um, MK Ultra, and the reason why is because I just find way too many holes in Kinzer's research and the fact that he does not connect it into what's going on today. That I I, I don't want to say this. It's my opinion that that Kinzer is sort of running cover, possibly running cover for some people, and so this is just a nice little narrative that is released into the public via uh, Stephen Kinzer back in 2019, coincidentally at the same time that the cyborg soldier paper comes out and the government starts to talk about how we have to sort of propagandize people, the civilians, into accepting this, you know, brain tapping uh brain interfaces that cyborg soldier is going to be focused on. And so how do you do that in part? Well, you put together 
something like this this could be one of many campaigns and you release it out there into the wild and you say well this horrible dr gottlieb did these terrible things and it was because the government really thought that we were protecting ourselves from the commies and so then when this stuff comes up later it's two different things one is good one is bad but this one was just missteps and it was it was all done unwittingly and they were really just patriots trying to protect america you see it's just the way my brain works so i'm not interested in having stephen kinzer on the show but i will analyze this podcast because it does serve a purpose for where we're going with this let's continue but that the CIA should also find out a way to do it. So MKUltra was a project lasting up to 10 years in which the CIA sought to find ways to control the human mind. They wanted to be able to have a truth serum that would make uh, prisoners say everything they knew, also an amnesiac that would make people forget what they had done, and most important, a technique or a drug that would allow the CIA to direct agents to carry out acts like sabotage or assassination and then forget who had ordered them to do it or even that they had carried out the actions at all. Okay, so w- when you hear Kinzer talking about those things, right, the ability to make prisoners remember everything and tell you with a truth serum, the ability to wipe your mind of certain events, the ability for you to go out and assassinate somebody and then forget who gave you the orders, was that not all the stuff that Dr. Charles Morgan III was talking about in his lecture to the West Point Military Academy? Of course it was. It was the same stuff. So the fact that it's this program, as he says, ended in the uh, early 60s, it just ended. It was gone. It was a failure. It didn't happen. Um, well, let's let's see what he says. I've listened to this, but it was a while ago. So I might be missing some things, which is part of why we're reviewing it here, folks, because there's always going to be bits and pieces we pick up that tie into the bigger picture. Now, the other thing, the fact that I don't necessarily trust Stephen Kinzer as sort of this, uh, you know, a 100% transparent good actor in all of this, it doesn't matter. Generally, 95% of what these misinformation and disinformation players uh, do is 95% of the time, it's real information. It's the truth. That's what gets people to bite. It's just a matter of what they leave out and or what they inject into it and or which direction they steer people in. And so if this is supposed to be, here it is, MK Ultra case closed, it's done, well, then that was his purpose, was to write about these horrible things and then close the book on it. You know, his book is the definitive end. This doesn't go on anymore. It's totally fine, folks. Move on, move on. Uh, nothing to see here. All right, let's continue. So MKUltra was the most sustained search in history for techniques of mind control. So LSD was created in 1943 by Dr. Albert Hoffman at the Sandoz Laboratories in Basel, Switzerland. How did the CIA find out about LSD? Okay, so as they're saying, in 1943, LSD was created, okay, in Switzerland. Let's just write this down in our notes for later. All right, let's continue. 
as part of the search for drugs that would allow people to control the human mind, uh, CIA scientists became aware of the existence of LSD, and this became an obsession for the early directors of MKUltra. Actually, the MKUltra director, Sidney Gottlieb, can now be seen as the man who brought LSD to America. He was the unwitting godfather of the entire LSD counterculture. Okay, so you see there where he throws in that Sidney Gottlieb was the unwitting godfather to the LSD counterculture. Okay, now where would he get this information that Sidney Gottlieb was the unwitting, meaning he didn't mean to launch an LSD culture here in the United States, that the CIA is innocent in this? Folks, you're going to hear... We set up fake foundations and spread the LSD around to hospitals, to universities, to prisons, and ran experiments on people. What is unwitting about that at all? Okay, did it launch this counterculture? They spread this stuff into the sort of uh, extremes of society and launched the counterculture. So this is, I mean, you have to understand, this is where I I just have to disagree with Stephen Kinzer and think that possibly he is pushing people away from the truth. All right, let's continue. In the early 1950s, he arranged for the CIA to pay $240,000 to buy the world's entire supply of LSD. He brought this to the United States, and he began spreading it around to hospitals, clinics, prisons, and other institutions, asking them through bogus foundations to carry out research projects and find out what LSD was, how people reacted to it, and how it might be able to be used as a tool for mind control. Now, the people who volunteered for these experiments and began taking LSD, uh, in many cases, found it very pleasurable. They told their friends about it. Who were those people? Ken Kesey, the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, got his LSD in an experiment sponsored by the CIA, by MKUltra, by Sidney Gottlieb. Uh, so did Robert Hunter, the lyricist for The Grateful Dead, uh, which went on to become a great purveyor of LSD culture. Allen Ginsberg, the poet who uh, preached the value of the great personal adventure of using LSD, got his first LSD from Sidney Gottlieb, although... Okay, okay. So see, now, the, you know, all of these people, I, we're going to get into depth on this stuff in another show, all right? But I'm just showing you here, uh, I just have to make the point that, um, you know, this counterculture that sprung out of all of this illegal stuff that the United States government was doing, you know, via Sidney Gottlieb, uh, was there was nothing unwitting about it. They set up fake foundations, they spread this stuff around, and then you're supposed to believe that, uh, you know, this LSD counterculture just rose up, just sprung out of nowhere, and it backfired on the CIA, uh, as, as you will hear him talk about, that it backfired on the CIA and launched this counterculture that was against everything the CIA was building. Well, it obviously wasn't, it obviously wasn't against anything because look at this LSD push 
that went on during that time. The, the, the CIA, if they're using LSD to mind control people, the more people they get to use LSD, then they are mind controlling more people. I mean, wouldn't that be the point, folks? So that's where this Stephen Kinzer, I just don't trust everything that he's saying. I believe 95% of this information is true, which is why we're using it as a resource. But then the direction that he pushes things by saying it was unwitting, or uh, he later says that Gottlieb was this compassionate guy who was a torturer, a prolific torturer. All right, let's continue. Oh, of course, he never knew that name. So... CIA brought LSD to America unwittingly. And actually, it's a, it's a tremendous irony. The unwittingly. See, again, and now it's an irony. All right, let's see how he explains this. The drug that the CIA hoped would be its key to controlling humanity actually wound up fueling a generational rebellion that was dedicated to destroying everything that the cia held dear and defended okay now now okay you can only laugh at that folks so this drug that the cia was on the search of finding and developing to control all of humanity later fueled this counterculture against everything the cia found dear and near well what is it that they found near and dear to them Oh, you don't have an answer? Okay, so if their job was to spread it around and to control people's minds with it, how do we not know that the folks who ended up taking it during the counterculture movement aren't mind-controlled by the CIA? How do we know that anything that they were doing was actually counter to what the CIA's actual goals were? We don't know because the CIA didn't publish it. But when you look forward, we're going to show you. I, I just don't want to jump the gun here. But when we look at some of the people who were part of this LSD craze, some of these people have ended up in very highfalutin positions today that are part of the technocratic transhumanist movement. And so if the CIA's goal as kinzer admits was to control the population right mind control then what's the next step in mind control is basically a race if you want to control all humans why would you not want to erase all humans and so now some of the people involved with the technocratic transhumanist movement are in fact people that were part of this lsd counter culture and the same people that are behind Singularity, the merger of man and machine today, are also behind pimping LSD, folks. More on that. Don't worry. I'm going to unravel this for you when we get back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. 
All right, folks, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and this is pain.tv slash gold, folks. I am here to wake people up to the truth about technocratic transhumanism. But I am unwittingly waking you up to the truth about technocratic transhumanism, folks. It makes you feel like you're actually tripping on LSD, having to listen um, to this gaslighting going on here, I think, by journalist Stephen Kinzer. If anyone knows him, listen, I would have him on to have a, a... That I would do a debate. I don't want to turn this into a debate show, but I would debate some of this stuff. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm hearing this all wrong, but to be honest, I don't see that the CIA spending uh, $240,000 to buy all the LSD in the world, bring it here, set up bogus foundations, and then spread this stuff around to institutions and run experiments on people. And then when later we see what happens, you call it... Uh, you know, that it was unwittingly done. No, no, I just don't buy it, folks. I'm not going to be gaslit like that. All right, let's continue. We have a lot to cover. Even Timothy Leary, who turned a lot of people on to LSD and helped guide them through trips, he found out about LSD because of Sidney Gottlieb. He wasn't part of one of the experiments, but what's the connection? You're absolutely right. Tim Leary, who became the great guru of LSD, first came across psychedelics through Sidney Gottlieb. Although, uh, like all these other people, you'd never heard Gottlieb's name because Gottlieb lived in complete invisibility. So Tim Leary's interest in psychedelic drugs was sparked by an article that appeared in Life magazine in 1957. It was about a couple of Americans who had gone to Mexico and found the magic mushroom that produces hallucinations. Okay, so this article, written, what do you say, in 1953, about two people who, that was part of the normalization, that was part of propagandizing people into utilizing to using LSD to use psychedelics, which was exactly what the CIA was trying to do. The article itself was a piece of propaganda. I'll dig that up one day. We'll find it. And what is Joe Rogan doing today? The same exact thing, pushing people towards these psychedelics. Now, like I said, I'm a fairly libertarian guy. I'm about liberty, personal freedom. You want to jack yourself up on drugs, alter your mind, you know, mess up your, your state of mind so the government can manipulate you, fine, do it. I'm sure the government isn't trying to do that, which is why they controlled the drug trade, including pot, for many years. They finally just, quote-unquote, decriminalized it and set up pot shops all over the country that you can buy government sanctioned pot from they're doing it because they love you not because they want to mind control you oh no no they don't want to control your mind they just spent somewhere between 10 and 20 years during the 50s and uh, all the way to the 70s working on controlling your mind with drugs Right, but they don't want to control your mind today. Today, it's just because some libertarians pushed it hard enough, it took 20 years, and now it's legal, and you could buy it at a government pot shop. Come on, folks. Come on here. I mean, you, you, you hear this, and now, all of a sudden, this little program with $240,000 in LSD spreads around, and now this guy, Kinzer, has named at least four highly influential people in the counterculture, 
that ended up becoming promoters of LSD. And there's many, 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 many more. And you could tie this all into, I was just talking to Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast about this today. You could tie this all in to the intentional, intentional development of the counterculture by the CIA by the cia this is i'm telling you there's something sneaky here with kinzer all right let's continue leary was fascinated by this he later went to mexico and before he ever tried lsd he was using those magic mushrooms what he did not know and had no way of knowing is that that expedition to mexico that produced the life magazine article was paid for by Sidney Gottlieb and the CIA. It was part of his effort to test all kinds of substances, including naturally occurring ones like shrubs and trees and barks and mushrooms and fish parts and animal pieces as possible tools for mind control. So so, so ask yourself, folks, if you're on the video side, you're seeing me pretty much laughing over here ask yourself how this guy this journalist kinzer can say that the counterculture was unwittingly launched by gottlieb when he's saying that the article in the time life magazine about these gentlemen going down to mexico and getting high on the magic mushrooms which was a plant by Gottlieb, which inspired Timothy Leary to go down there. The whole thing was written purposefully to propagandize and suck people into the idea of doing this, which is exactly what happened. So there's nothing unwitting about that. It was actually successful. It was successful. Successful. Our government, our state did this, folks. All right, let's continue. Uh, it's not surprising that uh, later on in life, Tim Leary said the entire LSD movement was started by the CIA. If he had known better, he would have said it was founded by the CIA and in particular, Sidney Gottlieb. So just so I understand this correctly, so the CIA... What, what he should have said was it was started by the state, all right, because there's no Sidney Gottlieb, there's no CIA, there's no executive branch without the state. It was the state that did all this. Let's continue. Basically set up phony philanthropic foundations, which then funded university and college research, and it's through those research experiments that people like Ginsburg and Kesey and Robert Hunter got introduced to LSD. And the university researchers had no idea that their research was actually being funded by the CIA. I think that's largely correct. So Stanford University was running a program in which they asked for volunteers to come in and try this new substance. Allen Ginsberg was one of the volunteers. So was Robert Hunter. A similar set of experiments was going yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, these guys just elevated out of nowhere and became famous. Wow. The CIA should should be in the Guinness Book of World Records for running uh, illegal experiments through front organizations, front foundations, bogus foundations they set up bogus trials in partnership with all these universities. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they just magically make all these famous people out of it. Give me a break, folks. Give me a break. All right, let's continue. Going on at the Menlo Park Veterans Administration Hospital. That's where Ken Kesey took LSD for the first time. He okay, and the Veterans Administration, right, who he just said was running one of these experiments. You wait and see what I have for you coming up. You wait and see how this 
This supposedly ends in the early 60s, as uh, Stephen Kinzer is saying. It never ended, folks. It never ended. All right, let's continue. He was so excited about it, he took a job in the hospital and began stealing the LSD to give it to his friends. That became the basis for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So all of these original strands that came together in the 60s to produce this great countercultural revolt based around LSD can be traced back through these bogus foundations to the CIA and ultimately the director of MKUltra, Sidney Gottlieb. But see, th- th- this is where that's so... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just getting very upset with this because I don't like to be gaslit. But the issue is this. There was no counterculture that pushed back against the CIA. The CIA is alive and well the cia is still running this stuff the cia has inqtel which it launched in the early 2000s that funnels all of the cia fbi nsa and dod money over to silicon valley and that money trickles into companies controlled by guys that are invested in the current psychedelic movement so if you just want to make this simple and look at it from the standpoint of lsd and psychedelics there was no counterculture that pushed back against the cia is he saying the anti-war culture of the 60s how many wars have we gotten in since then there's been no pushback whatsoever from any counterculture that wasn't controlled by the cia everything is social engineered folks we have entered a time now where we are talking about publicly merging man with machine and ending humanity and and the natural world so there's no counterculture did the hippies win and get a natural world no they did not so this is a fraud this is a fraud now i believe everything he's saying is true i just believe his job is to direct you to misdirect you to push you down okay here's the road straight ahead but you're going to turn and you're going to curve to the right or you're going to curve to the left that's what he's doing all right let's continue now there's a much darker side to this program because a lot of people who are being experimented on they were prisoners i mean they had no idea what they were being given. One of those prisoners was the famous gangster Whitey Bulger, who was serving time then for hijacking a truck, uh, and he was in the Atlanta penitentiary. So he actually wrote something describing his experience. Can you give us uh, a summary of what he said? Now, now, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I am going to let this play through because I think all of this stuff is very important. This collection here, um, this information on MK Ultra coming from the person who's deemed the foremost expert, who's really representative of the official narrative, the story that we are supposed to believe, all of the information of which around MK Ultra I do believe. I just believe when he says that Gottlieb was unwittingly the creator of the counterculture or Gottlieb was somewhat compassionate of a guy, that's the misdirection. But the information itself, I believe, and there's very little 
limited out there you can get on this because supposedly Gottlieb and his cohorts destroyed all this information upon him exiting this MKUltra program. So they destroyed a lot of the information. And then supposedly someone like Kinzer picks it up and then he writes this book. So we have to listen to Kinzer if we want any information into MKUltra and at least what these supposed government documents say about MKUltra. But it's important because you're going to learn a lot more stuff here. And then we're going to connect it into what we're doing. And I'm going to show you that none of this ended. We're still doing it. This was all a transition from paperclip and we're going to go into depth on paperclip but then we're going to go backwards because i'm going to show you what we were doing before before the war with the nazis uh and then maybe it'll shine some light on why we went over there and then we started hiring these nazis to come back and work over here it was just consolidation of technocratic transhumanism so then it's going to bring you up to where we are with darpa brain initiative cyborg soldier and the rest of this stuff folks it all ties in i told you it all connects this is just one giant crocheted blanket ladies and gentlemen i'm dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, I did not want to turn this into attack journalist Stephen Kisner. Kinzer tonight that was not the point of this, but I do have to call out some of these things when I hear them. And then it may start to answer the question as to why certain uh, supposed journalists don't want to come on the show, folks. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I don't want to bring anyone here who's going to spread disinformation around. I mean, even the guest uh, we had the other day on technology in the live entertainment space, I mean, that was not a disinformation agent. We actually learned some things about technologies now being utilized in live entertainment. So I think that was a, a net plus to us. Uh, but I don't want to bring someone on here who's just going to spin and uh, cover for the CIA and for the state and run cover for what they're doing today. And if Kinzer was on here, I would have to ask him, as I asked the guest the other day, you heard me ask, well, what do you think about this metaverse coming? Do you think people are going to live in the metaverse and live entertainment is going to be gone? Well, if Kinzer came on, I'd have to say, well, what's the difference between this and the brain initiative? What's the difference between this and that? And so that's what I think uh, some of these people are afraid of. Um, the questions and the conversation that may transpire over here at the Dustin Gold Standard. So I have to call this out because I don't want you to think that I'm just pushing this official narrative because I'm not. I don't believe anything the government says. 
And so while we're reviewing this in order to get the information uh, from the foremost expert, we can also use it as a teaching moment as to where I think there's some spin going on here and where I see Kinzer running cover for the government. All right, let's continue. Whitey Bulger was one of the prisoners who uh, volunteered for what he was told was an experiment aimed at finding a cure for schizophrenia. Uh, As part of this experiment, he was given LSD every day for more than a year. Uh, He later realized that this had nothing to do with schizophrenia, and he was a guinea pig in a government experiment aimed at seeing what people's long-term reactions to LSD was. Essentially, could we make a person lose his mind by feeding him LSD every day over such a long period? Bulger wrote afterward about his experiences, which he described as quite horrific. He thought he was going insane. Right. So, okay. So at least according to Kinzer, the idea behind this experiment was essentially to see if they could make someone lose their minds by feeding them LSD every day. But then on the other side, when you have these celebrities, these influencers of their time, taking the LSD through Gottlieb funded experiments and then spreading those around into the so-called counterculture, how do we know the objective of the CIA was not to break everyone's mind out there on the street? That they are literally walking, talking, you know, human trials, guinea pigs walking around. Well, you don't know that. Therefore, how does Kinzer call Gottlieb the unwitting godfather of the counterculture movement. How do we know that wasn't completely intentional? Which I believe it was, folks. All right, let's continue. He wrote, uh, I was in prison for committing a crime, but they committed a greater crime on me. And towards the end of his life, Bulger came to realize the truth of what had happened to him. And he actually told his friends that he was going to find that doctor in Atlanta who was the head of that experiment program in the penitentiary and go kill him. Now, that doctor later died a natural death, so Bulger didn't uh, get to carry out his wish. But Bulger was one of many prisoners across America who unwittingly were fed huge doses of LSD. And the reason for this was very simple. Gottlieb wanted to create a way to seize control of people's minds. And he realized it was a two-part process. First... Okay, I, I want you to pay careful attention to this part right here. And... Um, I have found this uh, in several different sources. So this is, I mean, it's true at least as far as we're supposed to believe it. So just listen to this. This is what the government admits to doing. Gate a way to seize control of people's minds. And he realized it was a two-part process. First, you had to blast away the existing mind. Second, you had to find a way to insert a new mind into that resulting void. Well, he didn't get too far on number two. But he did a lot of work on number one, trying to find out how to destroy the mind of a human being. And that was the purpose of experiments that he carried out in prisons in the United States and at secret detention centers in Europe and East Asia. And he worked with. Okay, so pause that for a second. So, as I've told you, 
uh, a few different times over the last couple of episodes. The job was to blast away your mind and then replace the void with another mind, right? To fill that void. But we see that, folks. This is what Dr. Charles Morgan III was talking about. This is what... um, you know, Peter Emanuel and Diane Ulius and others talk about. I mean, this is all part of this mind control. Now, you ask yourself, if we get to the point with, let's say, a Neuralink brain chip, you know, an AI brain chip, or a transcranial electronic stimulation helmet, or N-cubed, as they call it under the DARPA Brain Initiative, let's say, which is the non-invasive version of the Neuralink brain chip, basically a helmet you put on, And if we get to the point where we started this whole show back in episode one with Ray Kurzweil, where we can upload the consciousness to the cloud and they can build sort of this AI hive mind that that I believe the elites want. They want this superhuman uh, brain, superhuman, um, you know, they want access to the superhuman AI hive mind. Well, if they suck your mind out of your head, what do they fill that with? And so when they talk about beaming that back down into your head, is that connected to this? Is that the void? Once you upload your mind, your consciousness, are you now an empty vessel? And so they're going to download something else into your head. You see, I haven't figured it all out yet, folks, but see how it all connects? All these themes, everything is about sucking your brain out, filling it with something else. Dr. Charles Morgan III talks about implanting memories into your head while you're sleeping. They can use stem cells to inject in you to do this and do that. Everything is manipulating the uh, human either because they're trying to engineer human into perfection, which they will never get to, and so it will just continue until humans are basically gone, until they engineer them out of existence, or the goal is the final solution, which is to just genocide humanity. You know, and and then obviously these guys are seeking out immortality, as we've covered here, either through drugs to cure their physical body or through uploading the mind and downloading it into a new biological or non-biological body, right? This is just some sick stuff going on. All right, let's continue here. Some pretty high-class torturers, too, from one of the Nazi doctors and the chief poisoner uh, from Japan during World War II. How did they end up in his program? One of the most remarkable uh, discoveries that I made in the research for this book is that the CIA mind control project, MKUltra, was essentially a continuation of work that began in Japanese and Nazi concentration camps. All right, let's pause right there. Let's pause right there. Okay, so he starts off, um, Kinzer starts off talking about how LSD was uh, created in 1943. That's why I wrote this down, folks, in Switzerland. And the CIA became aware of it. But see, the CIA became aware of it because now he's going to tell you, uh, which is what I found in my research, that this was a continuation of what came out of Nazi Germany and out of Japan. And so, as I mentioned to you yesterday, we went... Multiple forms, folks. So we had Operation Paperclip, where we brought over 1,500 Nazi scientists and engineers, put them in charge in different government programs and departments and projects, 
And then we had the other program where we were hiring Nazis to be spies against the Soviets. And then basically we would give them a golden parachute and retire them over here when they were done with their work in the field. And then we had Gottlieb bringing over Nazis and Japanese torturers to actually teach him about the experiments they were running inside of concentration camps all of which we were supposedly going over there to stop but then we just imported it here and had this guy and many others Sidney Gottlieb just being one of them running the same experiments over here all right let's continue a mind control project mk ultra was essentially a continuation of work that began in japanese and nazi concentration camps not only was it roughly based on those experiments, but the CIA actually hired the vivisectionists and the torturers who had worked in Japan and in Nazi concentration camps to come and explain what they had found out so that we could build on their research. For example... Now, now what's the difference? What, I just want to ask you, what is the difference between the CIA, the government, hiring these Nazi and Japanese torturers to come and teach them versus a Dr. Charles Morgan III standing in front of West Point Military Academy and teaching the cadets and faculty about all of the mind-altering as well as all of the uh, methods of death that we've developed. Remember, he talked about if they have your DNA profile, they could create a disease that they can spread, say, in uh, Times Square, and if it's matched to your DNA, it won't harm anyone else, but it will kill you. What's the difference, folks? What is the difference? What is the difference between uh, Nazi Germany and us? I mean, seriously, at this point, tell me what the difference is. Except that we're working to genocide everyone. I mean, honestly... Try to think about this. I know it's difficult. Many of you have the American flag flying outside your house. You know, but what is the difference when you know now what our government has done and what our government is doing? Tell me the difference. And many of you will complain about the tyranny that our government inflicts on us here at home, that they've abandoned the Constitution, whether you blame the Democrats or you blame the Republicans don't really matter. But you see what our government does here. You say it's a tyranny. You say it acts like fascists. And then you find out that we are doing the same experiments. We hired the actual Nazis to train us after we supposedly defeated them in war. And then you see what we're doing today, and I'm going to show you more. That's where this is going, folks. You're going to see what we're doing today, that this never ended. And then ask yourself, okay, well, if we're acting like fascists, if we've abandoned the Constitution, if we are a tyranny, and I would say we are a uh, transhumanist technocracy, but we are a tyranny, and we actually had the Nazis train us to do this stuff, to break people's minds, to blast their mind away and replace it with something else. How are we not Nazi Germany? Please explain that to me. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. 
Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, on top of it, on top of it, we are spread far and wide. What, 900 military bases worldwide? We're over there poking around in Poland's business right now, provoking uh, the Russia situation. I mean, isn't this all the things that uh, Nazi Germany was accused of doing? What makes us any different? Seriously, it hurts and it pains me to have to say this stuff about my government, about my country. I mean, people will say, I love my country and I hate my government, but what is your country? Uh, I mean, the country is the government. The government controls it. So, I mean, the government controls the territory of which is your country. So at this point, uh, I mean... I, I hate the world. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the world is under control of a one world government, but the United States plays an enormous part in this stuff, folks. I don't believe we are under the control of some world power. I believe we are one of the controllers of the world power. As uh, Papa Bush said back in the day, this is the beginning of a new world order. Yeah, we are leading the new world order folks we fund most of these organizations all right let's continue with this we need to get through it here we go example, nazi doctors had conducted extensive uh, experiments with mescaline at the dachau concentration camp uh, and the cia was very interested in figuring out whether mescaline could be the key to mind control that was one of their big avenues of investigation so they hired the nazi doctors who had uh, been involved in that project to advise them another thing the nazis provided was uh information about poison gases like sarin which is still being used nazi doctors came to america to fort uh, dietrich in uh, maryland which was the center of this project yeah, one mile down the street from me was the center of this project. Also, folks, also, at the beginning of COVID Land, the high school theater production, when Donald Trump was out there saying, China virus, China virus, came from China, came from China. It turned out that Fort Detrick scientists were over there working in the Wuhan lab and that China actually pointed the finger back at the United States and said, this wasn't us. This leaked out of Fort Detrick, or you made this at Fort Detrick. You know, in my mind, probably everything is theater, but I'm just saying. So, it's it, Fort Detrick has been an instrumental part in this. I've read a lot of articles. I found um, cataloged here from the Frederick County newspaper about all types of lab leaks that have happened over the years that were reported locally in the Frederick newspaper that never made it to national news. In fact, a few months before. COVID land kicked off. There were people in and around this area that were getting sick with what seemed to be later the same symptoms as what people were catching when they got uh, supposedly got COVID. 
And so <laughs> you say to yourself, you know, could it have leaked out of there? Was it something that actually leaked out of there intentionally or otherwise? I would say intentionally because they had the uh, mRNA tech ready to roll out. In fact, they developed some of the mRNA tech where? At Fort Detrick. At Fort Detrick, folks. All connected into Fort Detrick. So they were doing this MK Ultra mind control stuff over there as well. Let's continue. To lecture to CIA officers to tell them how long it took for people to die from sarin. And was there a difference in how long it took to die if you were a small child or an infant, whether you were an elderly person or whether you were a healthy middle-aged person? The only way to know this would be to have killed all those people. The CIA was eager to get this kind of information. And actually... One of the things that is the most bizarre about the fact that we relied on Nazi doctors is that Sidney Gottlieb himself was Jewish and his parents had emigrated from Central Europe in the early 20th century. If they had not emigrated, Sidney Gottlieb might well himself have been brought up in Central Europe, forced into a ghetto, brought to a concentration camp, and become the subject of one of these grotesque Nazi medical experiments. The grotesque Nazi medical experiments that Sidney Gottlieb was running on behalf of the state. Running on behalf of the state, folks. And so I will give Kinzer credit for bringing up that point there because uh, we are not allowed to talk about that. But there are others. Yuval Noah Harari happens to be uh, Jewish. Um, Henry Kissinger, who's written about depopulation, happens to be Jewish. George Soros, for those of you that don't know, if you go back and you look at the, uh, I believe it was 60 Minutes interview with, uh, I think it was Steve Croft, who had asked him about his time growing up in Nazi Germany and how his father had... Uh, basically put him with a Nazi soldier who was going to protect him. And so he asked Soros about his time having to point out Jews in the communities. And Soros said, well, if I didn't do it, someone else would have. If I didn't do it, someone else would have. If I didn't do it, someone else. No, that's Henry Kissinger. But they all sound similar, folks. So you have to ask yourself, why? And then you go and you look at as I've alluded to on this show, a bunch of the doctors that are working for the government today and working out in the so-called private sector and these government-funded universities, uh, the Goldblatts and the Green Bombs and the rest of them, you say to yourself, wait a second, wait a second, you're helping develop this transhumanist, anti-human technology that literally grew out of Nazi Germany that you're now helping move this technology forward. Look at the uh, anti-human, you know, frictionless shopping, robots, artificial intelligence. A lot of this gene therapy and stuff comes out of Israel. And so I'm not sitting here just saying, okay, these are the people that are the only problem. I could never say that on this show, but and, and it's not because there's all types of people involved with this stuff. But you'd have to say those would seem like the people who would be the most against this, would be speaking out against this, would be calling for the international ban, would be pointing their fingers at the United States government telling them to stop. 
that they're acting like Nazi Germany would be pointing their fingers at Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and the rest of them and saying, this is terrible. You are working to engineer humanity out of existence. But no, you don't see that. You actually see them leading the charge on this stuff, folks. One day, one day, we'll have a discussion about it. But I'm able to bring it up here because a journalist named Stephen Kinzer, the foremost expert on MKUltra, just brought that up in regards to Sidney Gottlieb. So I am just commenting on that. Censors, please, don't take this show down. I did not uh, I did not go into, into the land of which gets you fully censored and shut down. But I just want to bring that up. It's important. And, and I've mentioned on this show before, I think, or at least when I filmed the piece in front of Auschwitz concentration camp, I think I've earned the right to be able to talk about some of this. My last name is Gold, okay? My paternal uh, grandfather was uh, Austrian. His parents came over here from Austria. They were secular Jews. Uh, They came over pre-World War II, uh, but at a time that my great-grandfather was sort of fleeing, being um, drafted into... Germany's army. It's complicated. My great aunt knows the whole story, which she's passed on to my father. Uh, But I don't sit here and harp on this stuff. I don't really, I don't talk about the Holocaust and how I deserve reparations. In fact, to be honest with you, I'm also a quarter Japanese. My uh, maternal grandmother um, was in Japan. She's from Japan. And my grandfather was serving in the army stationed in Japan during Korea. Uh, the Korea War. So he brought my grandma back. So I'm a quarter Japanese. No ancestors that were Japanese tortures, as far as I know. But yeah, so I'm a quarter Japanese. I'm a quarter Austrian Jew. Uh, brought up Protestant. I'm also Italian, Scottish, Irish, and English. So I'm a little bit of a mix of everything. But folks, You know, so I'm allowed to talk about this stuff, I think. I think I'm allowed to. Did I earn my right to do that? All of you can, too. I really don't care. I think people should be able to talk about anything they want. But this is very interesting, this story about Sidney Gottlieb. All right, let's continue. Nonetheless, he didn't seem to have any problem working as a CIA officer with the doctors who conducted those experiments. Yeah, I found that pretty hard to understand. Um, but, you know, also... <laughs> That's a nice way to put I found that pretty hard to understand. Okay, let's continue. Kurt Blom, <laughs> one of the Nazi doctors who was hired by Sidney Gottlieb, was on trial in Nuremberg. He was acquitted, but he was one of the Nazi doctors who was tried. And the Nuremberg Code established that if you are conducting experiments that the person you are experimenting on needs to give informed consent. And of course, MKUltra totally violated the Nuremberg Code, but apparently the U.S. never signed on to that, never adapted that. Yeah, right. All right, so this is going to be an interesting conversation here because informed consent and the Nuremberg Code came back up. Everybody wanted to sue the government over the Nuremberg Code, over the COVID jab and such. So let's just see what uh, Kinzer has to say here. If the United States had used the Nuremberg Code domestically, Sidney Gottlieb would never have been able to do what he did. There couldn't have been MKUltra. What Sidney Gottlieb did is exactly what we sentenced Nazi doctors to death 
after the Second World War for doing in concentration camps. It wasn't right. So there you go. So as he admits there, right, that Sidney Gottlieb was doing exactly what the Nazi torturers, the Frankenstein doctors were doing. The question I would have for Kinzer, though, is that what is the difference between what Sidney Gottlieb was doing and what the government scientists and engineers are doing today? Especially because, folks, as we dissected here, you hear Dr. Peter Emanuel and Diane Deulius in the Cyborg Soldier 2050 podcast, who wrote this paper for the government, talking about how they're basically connecting bionic limbs and using brain-computer interfaces inside of veterans, soldiers, whatever, that come back over here that are injured, they're disfigured. And so those are sort of the human trial guinea pigs. Now, they can say, oh, there's informed consent because we're telling them what we're doing to them. But the purpose of what they're doing to them is not what those people are led to believe. Just like in the case of Whitey Bulger, if we believe that story. But in the case of Whitey Bulger taking the LSD because he thought he was part of a trial which was to look at schizophrenia. Okay, so if you come back and they tell you they're giving you a brain-computer interface so that you could hug your child, but in reality, that information is being used for a DARPA experiment to later create a cyber uh, soldier, like, well, what's the difference, folks? They're not being forthcoming whatsoever. But there you go. We now just heard again, Sidney Gottlieb was doing the same thing that Nazis were executed for, Uh, that were tried at the Nuremberg trial. So what's the difference? And it's not Sidney Gottlieb. It's Sidney Gottlieb for the CIA under the direction of the head of the CIA at the time, Alan Dulles, right, through his boss, Richard Helms, who later became the head of the CIA, which answers to the executive branch, which is the president of the United States which you are supposed to believe is the most powerful person on planet Earth. Okay, so it was done with the state's permission, and it continues to this day, which we will prove and have already proven, but we will further prove this to you, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's take a quick break. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on Payne.tv slash gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. The Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's pick back up where we left off. We still have a lot to uncover, folks. There's a lot here that we need to hear from journalist Stephen Kinzer on MKUltra, and then I'm going to tie this into what seems exactly like MKUltra. We're still doing it to this day. 
under various names, obviously. So let's continue. Just a question of administering these super high doses of LSD for very extended periods of time. There was also like questioning and other kind of testing that went along with the administration of these high doses. Tell us about that. Gottlieb and the CIA established secret detention centers throughout Europe and East Asia, particularly in uh, Japan, Germany, and the Philippines, which were largely under American control in uh, the, the period of the early 50s, and therefore uh, Gottlieb didn't have to worry about any legal uh, entanglements. Okay, and we talked about that yesterday, folks, but just let this sink in here, okay? So on one hand, you have Gottlieb back at home in the United States setting up fraudulent foundations to dispense LSD to various institutions to run experiments on unwitting people. And then on the other hand, you have him over in Europe and East Asia with secret torture chambers running experiments on people, okay, running experiments on people the same way the Nazis did. Meanwhile, he's trained by the Nazis and the Japanese torturers. Okay, all because the state allowed him to do this, funded him to do this under the direction of Alan Dulles, the director of the CIA. And so now he's over in Europe and East Asia running Nazi torture chambers so that he could evade any legal consequences or ethical consequences here in the United States. This guy didn't just get on a plane and go do this on his own. He wasn't some rogue agent. He was working under the direction of Richard Helms, who later became the director of the CIA, but under the direction of Alan Dulles, the director of the CIA at the time. All right, let's continue. Uh, in these places, he carried out his most extreme experiments, some undoubtedly fatal. We don't know how many people died, but uh, a number did, and many lives were permanently destroyed. So what you found in these Europe experiments was a confluence of two interests, both uh, uh, that preoccupied the CIA. Okay, hold on one second. So he's saying he ran these experiments, the most brutal of all these experiments, and some people literally died. So he actually murdered people, right? So what would be the difference between what we are led to believe Auschwitz concentration camp was, where they ran experiments on people, they tortured them, and then they actually killed them. They started murdering them. Okay, after they ran these experiments and they they worked them to death, they tortured them. They ran all types of transhumanist experiments on them. And now Gottlieb, on behalf of the United States government, is doing the same thing. So how are we any different? Why should we have not been invaded by world allies and taken down? We were doing the same thing with direction from actual Nazis, folks. I mean, for those of you who have heard this for the first time, this has to be mind-blowing. For me, I'm almost, I'm not desensitized to it, but I understand that it happened. But I also know that it's still going on today, which is even more troublesome. And all this stuff for the Nazis was supposedly leading to the final solution, which was going to be to basically exterminate all Jews. 
And I believe today it's being run for the final, final solution, which is the extermination of all humans. All right, I back this up a second. Let's just hear this again. Just extreme experiments, some undoubtedly fatal. We don't know how many people died, but uh, a number did, and many lives were permanently destroyed. So what you found in these Europe experiments was a confluence of two interests, both uh, uh, that preoccupied the CIA. Number one was Gottlieb's desire to find the, t- the key to mind control, which the CIA considered its absolute greatest uh, project and most important priority. Second, CIA officers in Europe and Asia were capturing enemy agents and... Okay, let's just pull this back one second there. So as he says, as Kinzer says, the CIA's number one goal was to achieve uh, the ability to mind control people. Right. So you can't believe that Sidney Gottlieb was just running his experiments without any supervision if the CIA's number one goal was to figure out mind control, meaning Sidney Gottlieb was obviously chosen because they believed this guy, this chemist, was going to be able to achieve mind control. And they gave him the budgets to do so. They let him set up fraudulent uh foundations to funnel lsd to various institutions and run experiments on people in the united states and then set up secret torture sites for him in europe and east asia so he obviously was not just running around as some maverick he was doing what the cia what the government what the state wanted him to do now let's continue which the cia considered its absolute greatest uh, project and most important priority. Second, CIA officers in Europe and Asia were capturing enemy agents and others who they felt might be suspected persons or were otherwise what they called expendable. They would grab these people and throw them into cells and then test all kinds of uh, not just drug potions, but other techniques like electroshock, extremes of temperature, sensory isolation, all the meantime bombarding them with questions trying to see if they could break down resistance and find a way to destroy the human ego. So these were uh, projects designed uh, not only to understand the human mind, but to figure out how to destroy it. And that made Gottlieb, although in some ways a very compassionate person, certainly the most prolific torturer of his generation. See, like, I don't understand. I mean, am I reading that wrong or understanding that wrong? How is Stephen Kinzer assigning the word compassionate? Or, 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 or is it just not picked up right in the translation? It's supposed to say, like, incompassionate. How is he saying compassionate, yet this prolific torturer? Second off, the United States running around acting like the good guy who has the moral high ground is letting this monster, a trained, a Jewish chemist fella, trained by the Nazis and the Japanese torturers to electroshock and starve and torture people and try to break and destroy their mind. I mean, break and destroy their mind, folks. I mean, do you understand this is us? I'm not reading you a story about a Nazi scientist. I am reading you a story about 
our guy in the CIA running the most important division of the CIA at the time, the most important program. They wanted this, oh, I guess Dr. Peter Emanuel would say, if we could break the mind, this will be a revolutionary moment. And so you're going to see that the work that Gottlieb did leads right into not only DARPA Brain Initiative, not only the cyborg soldier, but some other stuff that I'm going to show you uh, shortly. But we need to finish this part first. All right, let's continue. And were there any guidelines in effect in the U.S. that would have made it illegal had people known what he was doing? This is one of the most remarkable aspects of the Gottlieb story. He operated almost completely without supervision. He had uh, sort of a checkoff from his uh, titular boss and from his real boss, Richard Helms, and from the CIA director, Alan Dulles, but none of them really wanted to know what he was doing. Okay, okay, so let me just explain this to you folks so that you are not mind controlled and so that you are not brainwashed or propagandized this is where kinzer has to be throwing in misdirection and running cover right now because with everything that he claims that happened that he got from research of which i have no reason to believe did not happen and the fact that he believes that at the time, the CIA's number one project, its biggest goal was to mind hack somebody, to break their mind, okay, to break their mind, to control their mind. And then he's going to tell you that Gottlieb, working under his real boss, Richard Helms, who later became director of the CIA, and Alan Dulles, who was the director of the CIA at the time, really didn't want to know what he was doing? I mean, does Stephen Kinzer believe that he just mind-hacked us? He is going to control our minds. He's going to push that misdirection propaganda at us that after everything he's saying he uncovered, that Sidney Gottlieb was just some guy running around with budgets, with secret torture chambers, with basically carte blanche to kill people in these secret prisons in Europe and East Asia, uh, being able to set up phony foundations and funnel LSD purchased by the CIA with approval from his bosses and funnel that into institutions and prisons and hospitals and such around the country. Oh, through the Veterans Administration, through hospitals, and that we're supposed to believe that there was no oversight. No, it was just this guy Gottlieb. He was the monster, folks. Don't worry about it. It all ended as Kinzer would say in the early 60s, or others would say in the early 70s, it all ended with Gottlieb. No more MK Ultra. It's done because he was just running all this on his own. What a load of crap, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let me take a break because I'm pretty heated. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, we run cover for no one over here. No one. The Dustin Gold Standard remains completely independent. Mike Moore, the uh, purveyor of pain.tv slash gold, the host of the Thomas Paine podcast, when he approached me, I don't know, two, three months ago about doing this show over here at uh, the Payne platform. He said, you can talk about whatever you want. Just be careful on a few topics because it'll get you thrown off the podcast platforms and then you won't be heard by anyone except behind the pain.tv slash gold um, paywall, which I don't want that to be the case. I'd like to get this information out all over the place. So I... I run cover for no one, folks. I'm trying to uncover the truth as you are. That's what we're doing over here. I want to know what is going on. I want to know where it came from, and I want to know where the hell we are going so that I could best try to avoid this stuff. And so I probably just burned any chance of getting Stephen Kinzer on this show. I said to myself before we started, listen, just let it go. Don't comment on Kinzer himself. But I can't do it because there's so much misdirection in his articles and in his spoken word that if I don't, then it's going to look like to my audience that I am running cover uh, for Kinzer. And that's not the point of this show. I'm trying to uncover the truth and I analyze this stuff based on research I've done and then with my opinion, which I express to you all the time. So I just can't let it go, folks. All right, we're going to listen to a little bit more of this, and then I'm going to show you an article that ties into where this goes today. All right, let's continue. He operated almost completely without supervision. He had uh, sort of a checkoff from his uh, titular boss and from his real boss, Richard Helms, and from the CIA director, Alan Dulles, but none of them really wanted to know what he was doing. This guy had a license to kill. He was allowed to requisition human subjects across the United States and around the world and subject them to any kind of abuse that he wanted, even up to the level of it being fatal. Yet nobody looked over his shoulder. He never had to file serious reports to anybody. I think the mentality... Of course he didn't have to file serious reports, Kinzer. Of course. He wasn't running completely without anyone looking over his shoulder. He, you just said, had a license to kill. He literally was running illegal experiments on people in the United States and overseas and torturing them to death as he was loading them up with LSD and mind hacking them. You just said he had the stamp of approval from Richard Helms and Alan Dulles, the head of the CIA. That's who was looking over his shoulder. They don't have to look if they told him, we don't care, you can kill people, you could be a monster. That means they just wrote him a blank check and they said, here, here's a blank check, fund whatever you need to do, you could do whatever you want. And they could have said to him, we don't need to know what's going on, but you have a license to kill. Therefore, he could do anything he wanted. So now you can't sit here and try to just say that this was only Sidney Gottlieb. It was Sidney, Sidney Gottlieb with the permission of Alan Dulles, the director of the CIA. All right? That is the state. 
That is the state. And he did it in cooperation with many other people who worked at these torture campsites with him, who were parts of these universities and these prisons and places where they were running these illegal experiments. Of course he had people looking over his shoulder. It was Alan Dulles, director of the CIA, who told him, do whatever you want. Do whatever needs to be done. Come on. I mean, to try to make it look like it was just this maverick running around doing this in the dark of the night, like he was Dexter or something. He worked in the lab by day, but at night he was Dexter. He would line the rooms with plastic and then torture and kill people. But no one knew what he was doing. He was just completely funded by them and sanctioned by them to do it. Come on, folks. All right, let's continue. must have been, this project is so important. Mind control, if it can be mastered, is the key to global world power. That the idea of it disturbing a few lives or losing even a few hundred lives could not be seen as important enough to outweigh that imperative. Only when you get caught up in a cause like that, that allows you to put aside conscience uh, and all other moral considerations and even serious scientific considerations, can you allow yourself to get caught up in a situation like this where one person is allowed on his own whim to go out and torture and kill people and the people who might be supervising him really don't want to hear about it for reasons that have to do with the old CIA code, which is the code of all secret services. The less you know, the better. You're not implicated. As a result of this, Gottlieb was allowed to work for 10 years uh, without anybody supervising him or even really being aware or wanting to be aware of what he was doing. Now, the question is, again, does Kinzer ever draw any conclusions here? Does he ever say, well, what's the difference between this and what the Nazis were doing? And if the head of the CIA, Alan Dulles, allowed it to happen, what makes him any different than the high-level folks inside the Third Reich? Okay, what makes him any different? What makes Gottlieb any different? What makes the United States any different than the people that we supposedly went to war with and then took this technology from and then picked right up where they left off? And does Kinzer, I'll have to look into this, okay, so I apologize if, if, I, if I'm wrong, but I, does Kinzer ever point out what, what we're doing at the Brain Initiative, what we're doing at the Veterans Administration now? What we're doing with Cyborg Soldier, what we're doing in the Army, what we're doing under the DOD, what we're doing under the CIA now, the companies that we're funding in the private sector, the transhumanist experiments that we're running to this day. I mean, if you're going to tell the story about Gottlieb, you have to pick up where Gottlieb started and then bring that to fruition into what these programs grew into today, which is what we're doing here. And there are some others out there that talk about this kind of stuff, folks, but I take my time with this because I want you to be able to absorb it all and understand it. All right, let's continue. So before um, Sidney Gottlieb started experimenting with LSD, he ran CIA experiments with marijuana, cocaine, heroin, mescaline, 
I guess those didn't work as mind control drugs. Well, they might not have worked as mind control drugs, but they spread them out all over the country. Listen, again, you want to smoke something, you want to snort something, you want to shoot something, that's on you. I mean, I guess if your life is so terrible that you need to get messed up like that to escape it, I mean, you have to do what you have to do. But the fact that the CIA is experimenting with this stuff, and now all of a sudden we've entered a time where they're legalizing a lot of this and selling it out of government head shops, uh, makes you have to wonder, did they discover that this stuff could lead to mind control? Are they mind controlling people? Uh, why would all of a sudden they want to sell it? People say, oh, so they can tax it and make money. Folks, they were running the underground version of this before. Now they're just making it easier for people to go get it, which means they want you to get it. Because before, if it was illegal and more difficult to get it, and a kid was afraid to go into the ghetto to buy some kind of drugs, uh, he might not get it. Now they just go, hey, get your government card. I know people that have it. You just tell them that you have PTSD because a teacher yelled at you in kindergarten and they will give you uh, a marijuana card. It's that easy, folks. It's that easy. So the government wants you to have it. You have to say, why does the government want you to have it? Why did they make it so easy to get all of the jabs and the boosters? Why did they spread that around for free? I don't know. I don't know, folks. All right, let's listen to a little more of this. He was trying everything. He not only used the drugs that you mentioned, but extreme forms of uh, stimulants and sedatives. One of the techniques they tested in Europe was to sedate a person to the coma state and then feed him extreme doses of stimulants. Uh, and then when the person was in the transition phase between comatose and hyperactive, they would electroshock him with very high doses, hoping that Maybe this combination would be the thing that could blow away a person's mind. So uh, the CIA and Gottlieb in particular were limited only by their own imagination. Gottlieb's imagination ran wild. He himself used LSD by his own estimate about at least 200 times. So his imagination was very fertile. And under the conditions of his employment, he was allowed to pursue any form of experimentation that he could imagine. Okay, so this guy, Gottlieb, is over there dropping acid while he's running experiments on how acid could blow someone's mind away. So, first off, if they want to just blow your mind away, they could just kill you. All right, isn't that a little bit easier? So they want to blow your mind away. And some of this we're going to get into with Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, uh, because I was talking to her about this, all of the mental illness that is uh, rampant today and alive and well on the streets and in the grocery store. And so Maria talked a little bit about that on the Thomas Paine podcast, but we're going to get into that with her. And so you have to say to yourself, well, if this guy was doing experiments on blowing people's minds away with LSD, then why is he in charge of the project if he's trying to blow his own mind away with LSD? You think that would have been something that maybe the director of the CIA would have brought up to him? Now, we're going to have to end this here today, and I'm going to pick this up tomorrow's show. We're going to finish this piece, and then I'm going to tie all this in to what's going on 
today. Now, we already know, obviously, about DARPA's brain initiative. We know about Cyborg Soldier, which we're going to get back to because there's a lot more we have to learn about that. But I just want to show you something. This is an article from June 2022, all right? So this is, uh, what, 60 years after Kinzer says Gottlieb stopped with MKUltra. Uh, trying to blow people's minds away with LSD. Well, look at this, folks. This is from June. It says right here, after six decades, and this is the New York Times, after six-decade hiatus, experimental psychedelic therapy returns to the Veteran Administration. A series of clinical trials used MDMA and psilocybin mushrooms represent a resurrection of promising research abandoned in the 1960s. You understand that? So MDMA and psilocybin mushrooms uh, were part of this promising research abandoned in the 1960s. And this is at the Veteran Administration. So we're going to delve into that, folks. But let me just read you this quick little piece. The Department of Veterans Affairs, and they love to play games and run experiments on the veterans, folks. I mean, you join the military, you go off and you kill people on behalf of the government. They jack you up with all types of vaccines and shots when you go off. Now they want to turn you into a cyborg soldier and manipulate your mind. And uh, you get to come back with your limbs taken off of your body and they'll give you uh, bionic limbs attached to a Neuralink brain chip or a transcranial electronic stimulation helmet. And so the sadly, sadly folks, the veterans are used as guinea pigs for these experiments as we've shown now in many different pieces we have analyzed here at the Dust and Gold Standard. But it says the Department of Veterans Affairs recently began offering psychedelic substances to patients as part of clinical trials, a major step in the quest to determine the therapeutic potential of illegal drugs the federal government has long deemed dangerous. At least five trials are underway or being planned by a handful of government clinicians who see potential in using psychedelic experiences combined with psychotherapy to treat post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse, and other conditions endemic among veterans of recent wars. Quote, this is a watershed moment, end quote, said Dr. Rachel Yehuda, the Director of Mental Health at James J. Peters Veterans Affairs Medical Center in the Bronx, who is leading one of the studies, quote, this is a time for a lot of hope, end quote. The theory at the heart of the research is that compounds such as uh, compounds such as MDMA, also known as ecstasy, and psilocybin mushrooms, when taken in a safe setting under the guidance of skilled therapists, can yield powerful insights and disrupt harmful patterns of thought and behavior. Ladies and gentlemen, I wonder if in each of these laboratories at the different veterans uh, administration hospitals where people like Dr. Rachel Yehuda run her experiments, I wonder if there's a giant plaque of CIA's chemist, Sidney Gottlieb, hanging on the wall that says, 
Keep it going, folks. Keep it going. Let's blow those minds away. Because if that is not mind-blowing, folks, that we are right back to where we left off, and this time they're running the experiments on these veterans just like they did back in the 1960s when they ran these experiments on prisoners, on veterans, on Uh, students at universities folks this should blow your mind this is mind-blowing that we are blasting people's minds out with psychedelics again and tomorrow i'm going to finish this piece with kisner and then we are going to get into this the lsd movement back inside the government the experiments that they're running and how that's trickled over into the so-called private sector i've mentioned it briefly on the show before but i'll show you what private sector folks are behind this and how they are coupling the psychedelics with the vr virtual reality technology now giving people psychedelics and pushing them into the metaverse folks it's all real it's all right there and it'll lead us back to cyborg soldier and how the government is propagandizing this technocratic transhumanism into the mainstream and getting people on board with being engineered out of existence. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.